DJ and PK, it is time to welcome in Riley Jensen for his weekly visit, our college football insider and mental performance coach. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Riley, good morning. DJ and PK just rolls off the tongue for like, <laughs> what, 20 years now? How yeah. long have you guys been together? Oh, man. It'll be uh, longer than my first marriage. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> be uh, 20 years will be next April. Next April? 20 years. Wow. What are we where do they go? Where are we going, guys? Where are we going? Where are we celebrating? Cabo. Live from Cabo. <laughs> That's a great idea. Central time zone, so we'll get to sleep in an hour longer. Okay, good, because I was about to say, wait, what about Maui? You've been talking it up, and I haven't been to Maui yet. Yeah, but that's... Yeah, you, you don't do a way, morning show from Maui. Yeah, you're way out. <laughs> Three o'clock yeah, in the morning. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't ruin your beach time, though, so you got that going for you. All right, Riley, as we get on the countdown here, a couple weeks out from the start of college football, the doldrums, we've learned as much as we're likely to learn. The coaches don't want to tell us much more because they got to keep secrets from uh, whoever's prepping to play in week one, whether it's Weber State or Arizona or whatever. So I'm curious, what do you want to know? And what can't you know until the season starts? As an, as an ex-player who's connected to some of these staffs and might know a little something the average person doesn't, what do you want to know? Well, there's, there's a couple of things about this time of the year that, that, that are fun and then also just really hard to figure out. Number Number one... Like, I cannot stand when I start seeing stats from scrimmages from, like, fall scrimmages. <laughs> like, I, it means absolutely nothing. And, you know, they're all scripted and they're put into a different scenario. And I, I just, I hate it when I see some of those stats. But the thing that I think would be super interesting to know right now is when they're going full speed, who has changed their physicality? Who's changed their ability to, like, you know, to fill a gap and, and really wreak havoc in a gap? Or is there a nose guard or nose tackle from one of these teams that's just unbelievably dominant right now and he's putting centers, like, right on their butt, like, two yards into the backfield? Because those are the type of statistics that don't show up in, in any sort of stat line all year, but you can see it in a game. You can see how disruptive it is when a defensive lineman is dominant and, and just knocks guys back two, three yards and running backs have to make a, you know, they have to change their direction early in their run. And then all of a sudden they're running for their lives and they're getting minus one yards or they're getting one yard. So I'm excited to see who that is. I think on the offensive side of the ball, I think the hardest thing for me right now, when you're trying to figure out like what a quarterback can do, I think for years and years, the reason why a running quarterback was so hard to, to just kind of see what he can do is because so many times in practice you're not live on a quarterback. And so it's kind of like, well, it seems like he would have made a good run there, but I don't know if he would have got out of that tackle. I don't know if he would have been able to make that run. And then if he's not as good a passer as the guy that's competing with him, oftentimes in the past the guy that was the better passer always got selected because you just can't really tell on whether this guy can run the ball or not. Now, we have a couple of guys out there who who have game films, so you know some of it. But we don't know, for example – for example, has Romney increased 
is speed and athleticism, right? We don't know what some of these quarterbacks at the University of Utah and at Utah State with Logan Bonner, we, we have some game film from him and we have some game film um, from the different quarterbacks, but you want to see, are they quicker, are they faster, can they make plays with their feet, and can they throw the ball? And so that's what I'm excited to see, and that's what I'm excited to see, you know, does the athleticism of Logan Bonner at Arkansas State actually translate to the Mountain West Conference? Is he going to be able to do some of the same things, right? Um, you know, is, you know, when, when we're talking about Jaron Hall, is he going to be able to run and not get hurt? I mean, I think that's the biggest worry, right? I think we all know that he can throw the ball. We all know that he can run the ball. But can he do it in a smart, a smart enough way that he's not getting injured early in the season where you have to, like, change things all up again? And so I'm excited to see some of these things. But from, from everything that I'm hearing and then everything that I'm seeing, I mean, and, and this happens every fall, but optimism is, is pretty high right now at a lot of different places. Yeah, it really is. There's no question about that. These quarterbacks, particularly at BYU and Utah, they have, the coaches have gone to great lengths to say it's a close battle and there's not a whole lot of uh, difference between one and two. They even had battles for three and four and all that stuff. So as far as the starter goes, with all that in mind, and they're not being literally live in the way that they will be in the first game, if you're a coach... How do you handle, since somebody is like the 1-1-A rather than a just drastic difference or gap between 1 and 2, and it's that close, right? How do you handle, say, when you get to the games, if the number one guy, there's a little bit of a struggle? When do you know to make a switch? Because it seems like, well, if they're that close and the other guy isn't getting it done, that I should go to the second guy because he was right there. But at the same time, you don't want to damage confidence. Yeah, so I, I'm not trying to bail on the question. I'll explain my answer. But the, but the answer is it depends, right? So you, if you've got two guys that you feel are very good and, you know, you, you know with Brewer and Rising at the, at, at the University of Utah, I think – People are feeling like you've got two good quarterbacks. With, with Jalen Hall and with Romney at BYU, you're feeling like you have for sure two good quarterbacks, right? I think the rope is, is a little shorter, right? Like, I, I just think it is. Now, what that means to each coordinator and what that means to each head coach is, is a little bit different. But I, but I will say this. The, the coaches that have been around for a while, and, and Kalani has been around for a long time, um, Coach Kyle's been around for a long time. And then obviously their offensive coordinators with, with Roderick and Ludwig have been around a long time. They, they understand at this point that the quarterback is a little bit of a rhythm position. And, um, you know, you want, you want your starting quarterback to be like, like a starter in Major League Baseball, right? Like you want to be able to work through a couple of things before you, before you start messing around with his head and, and pulling them out of the game and let them get into a rhythm because when they're in a rhythm, they're really, really, really good. Now, you know, you can work through some things if, if you win games. If you lose games, that also is, a, is another factor, right? Like, if your quarterback is struggling but you're winning and you still feel like he can be the guy, then you, you can get away with some things. But if you're losing and you start the season 0 for 3 and your quarterback hasn't been able to work through it, that might be the time that – that you figure out how to pull the trigger and, and move to the next quarterback. But you, the rope is shorter when you have two quarterbacks. 
but it's longer than we would normally think. Okay, so it's weird you say that because as soon as you said 0-3, I thought BYU and Utah's hopes are so high. And the quarterback competition has been pumped up so much, presumably the backup is good, so there's no way they'll get that deep. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe you're right, but I think it's going to be longer than what you like. Like it would for sure be zero and two before a change, hmm. in my in my opinion. Like I I don't I can't even imagine that it wouldn't be at least two games. I I just can't imagine a scenario as a as a coordinator, someone who's been a coordinator before. I can't imagine like going all the way through spring, all the way through fall camp, all the way through the summer seeing all kinds of information and making such a bad choice that you need to make the change like after the first game. Like you just totally like blew it. Um, the, the only thing that I can see is if like you really didn't know. But if you really don't know, usually that means that both quarterbacks aren't performing high enough. And so you, you really hope that, you know, I, in, in all the quarterback competitions I was in, like by now in fall camp, everybody knows who the guy is. Like, nobody's saying it, but everybody knows who the guy is. And they might be giving reps to the second guy just to get him ready for the season in case something happens. But everybody knows who the guy is right now, and everybody knows that, like, the week of, that that guy is going to get all the reps and he's going to get the opportunity to be successful. So um, it's, it's interesting. I mean, the quarterback, quarterback position is really, really interesting, and it's more interesting now to me than it's ever been because the old offenses – you didn't get hurt as much as a quarterback. I mean, there was a lot that was done to protect you and keep you from getting injured, right? And now it's like, nah, he's got to be able to run and throw, and, and we got to be able to risk that. And you know what? If he gets hurt in the fifth game, then next man up. I mean, that's that's just kind of the attitude now. And so these quarterbacks are are much more physically talented and much much better runners than than my era of quarterbacks were. And but, but that also opens them up to to injury. And so these second string quarterbacks, these guys that are just right there, they gotta stay ready because they're they're gonna get a chance to play. How important do you think this is this season is for Kalani Sataki? He had the great season. Uh, but some people and a lot of people obviously knock it because of the schedule. And you can also argue, well, you know, with the, you wait three or four years and you build guys up and they get experience. So you can just about any program at that level can have a good season. But it's important to have a program. And in order to have a program, you got to have successful seasons one after another, at least to one degree or another. So with that in mind, the importance of this season seems to me is pretty high. Yeah, I think I think it's important. I don't think. I mean, certainly don't think he has to go eleven and one next year. No. I mean, I, I, I think there's going to be some pressure to play well in the big games or in the games that that they feel like are a fifty fifty. Uh, you know, to quote our friend Alema, right? Like fifty fifty games. They got to play well, and if there's some blowouts here, that's that's cause for concern. If there's a blowout, um, it's. I always expect BYU to win a few of these big games because if, if, if you look at the history of BYU, even in years that you didn't think they were going to win, they go on the road, they beat Wisconsin, right? A couple of years ago, they had the big throw at the end, they beat Tennessee. Maybe you didn't think that they were going to win those games, and, and they come up with some wins. The problem is, is do, they, do they play well in the other big games? And you, typically they'll play pretty well because they'll get up. But then they have to do what they're supposed to do in the games that they're supposed to win because 
you know, two years ago, or mm -hmm. I'm confused with COVID, it might have been three years ago, when you go to Toledo in South Florida and, and you lay some eggs, man, it, it's not happiness, right? And even though you had a decent preseason, like, those games were hurtful. And um, I think you've just got to be competitive in all these games. And then in the games that you think you're supposed to win, you got to go out and do what you're supposed to do. And if, if they do that, I mean, it could be a really, really good season. Maybe not maybe not as highly ranked and highly touted as last year, but you can feel really, really good about the momentum of the program if they put together a, I don't know, an eight, if they put together an eight and four season, I mean, I think that's really positive momentum, right? So we're not hearing much, uh, as much positivity or nearly as much positivity out of Utah State as we are to BYU and Utah. What kind of hopes you got for your alma mater? Well, I, listen, I'm, I'm not I, – I, I personally don't have, like, high expectations. I think the expectations up there are way higher than I have, right? Like, I'm, I'm watching them. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very hopeful, right? And I'm not saying because they don't have players, but it, it just takes a minute with a new coaching staff. But, man, there's a lot of positivity going on. There's a lot of optimism going on. That, you know, people talking about how fast the offense is and how they can throw it around and how some of these, you know – these portal transfers have made a real difference. And I just feel like, man, there's a lot more positivity and excitement about the program than I thought there would be. Um, I'm still going in just cautiously optimistic, but man, if they, if they pull off the, the optimism and the positivity that I'm feeling, then, then it's going to be a fun season. It's going to be a fun season to watch all three of those teams play in the state of Utah. Riley, as always, we appreciate the time and we will talk to you again next week. You guys are the best, man. Thanks for having me on. Riley Jensen, college football insider, mental performance coach. When we come back, Reno, my former BYU star, former Philadelphia Eagle, his take on the Cougars upcoming and name, image, and likeness. If only. If only, Reno. We'll get to that next. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network, and they are counted down to the best players in the state. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty announce another member of the Top 60 players in the state of Utah as they count you down to the start of the college football season. It's the Top 60 and 60 presented by Cypress Credit Union, Icon Health and Fitness, right here on the Zone Sports Network. Reno Mahe is going to join us momentarily. Talk about the BYU team and name, image, and likeness. Another day, another deal. Oregon defensive end. Kayvon Thibodeau is a potential number one pick in the upcoming draft. And he's got a marketing deal with United Airlines. And United Airlines is going to provide special direct flights from Eugene, Oregon to select Ducks away game. Obviously, they've selected the game at Ohio State on September 11th. Well, how about here, man? Aren't yeah. the Ducks coming into town? Yeah, let's get some flights to Salt Lake because we yeah. want more golden green in the stands. Red, golden, green, red, golden, green. I guess that's what you'd have, right? Uh, I suppose so, sure. <laughs> you know, one side would be red, the other guys would be golden, green. Red, golden, green. Uh, their road <laughs> schedule, Oregon's road schedule is uh, difficult the way it broke out. I think most of their games are... I don't know if you can say. Yeah, I don't know if you can have five marquee road games, but they're all interesting for one reason. Or I another. hope they lose all of them except Ohio State. They're going to Stanford. They're going to UCLA. Who doesn't want a trip to the Rose Bowl, even if UCLA's mediocre? Okay. And In late October, it's probably raining up there in Eugene, right? Get to sunny Southern California. No, you don't know. And then uh, Washington. Well, you might drive that. 
And then the Utes, November 20th, set up late in the year, big game, high stakes. Oh, you yeah, have everything yeah, yeah. pretty well mapped out by then and know, know what's at stake. You never know, though, because that was what it was a few years back and when Oregon was going through their 4-8 and eight season and some kid named, uh, what was his name? Uh, barely, he's a freshman. I think his name was Herbert, something like that. Oh, Justin that Herbert. guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that guy. And they uh, he threw a pass down in the uh, corner of the end zone there to some guy named Carrington who ended up being on your team, and they beat you. Yep. And that was a big game. I mean, for Oregon, it wasn't a big game. Helfrich was out and all that stuff. But uh, the Utes, you thought they would have had it, and they didn't. So that's that's that that's the conference in a nutshell right there, man. Now, I've been saying that for three, four decades. You get these guys. They have they have great skill players. A young Justin Herbert goes in, beat you, and, and Herbert ends up being just an outstanding quarterback. I think he's going to be an outstanding NFL quarterback, too. We're joined now by Reno Mai, former BYU star and Philadelphia Eagles player. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Reno, good morning. Good morning. How goes it? It goes well. We have many things to talk to you about, but uh, your name has come up a few times here as this whole name, image, and likeness thing is broken. And we'll, and we'll get into some of the how it might help local schools with local players. And You were a high-profile local player, and you were a very good college player, and you had a ton of charisma, and you loved being in front of the camera. We kind of identified you as a guy who could have really crushed it if name, image, and likeness had come along a quarter of a century earlier. Any regrets? Feel like you missed out? You feel like, why did the NCAA finally get their act together now? Where were they when I needed them? Oh, no, I totally used the NIL back when I was playing. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Statute of limitations is up, do tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a full right scholarship to school. I didn't have to pay for school. <laughs> but, you know, a, guy, a kid <laughs> like you would have cashed in. NIL. Yeah. You would have been able to cash in. I mean, you're the best high school player I've ever seen, and I've worked in three states. I mean, your feet over there at Brighton were unbelievable, and no, no one ever got a clean shot at you ever for all the, the entire time. I mean, I saw so many of your games because I live in the area, and you know, you, you did have just an, an awesome amount of personality to go with it, too. You've already displayed that. Uh, do, you, do you think it's the, something that high school kids can begin developing and carry it on into college, especially if they stay local? Yeah, absolutely. I, I've, when, when I saw it coming, like maybe about the last year or so when things were coming out about it, I thought BYU would benefit the most from this in, in the sense that the local kids, the, all the BYU business owners in the Valley and um, just the global brand of um, BYU. And so these kids, if they start growing their social media presence now and start, um, you know, getting their name recognition out there, they could do very well for themselves. You know, I, I could see schools offering something, you know, like there's all these different um, businesses that are, are going to hire you when you come to our school. And I think that's something BYU will be able to, you know, within the rules, that's the hard part is I don't know exactly how the rules are playing out. But you can see what happened with Bill, Bill Barr and all these different things coming on that, like, I think BYU is going to benefit 
greatly from it and it, which all these other and it's just awesome to see these kids getting what they deserve and um i'm excited for these kids so do you think it will be enough that some of the high profile not all but some of the high profile local kids who've been leaving to go to oregon and stanford and usc and and wherever else will stay put or will they continue to leave for high profile programs and maybe it'll impact the next year of kids it's, it's all money it's all money. If the Utah boosters, the BYU boosters, if they all step up, they'll start keeping these kids home. I, I, and, and here's the hard part. And I, I know these parents have this feeling about getting their kids out there at all these other schools. The reality is the majority of these kids, they move back to Utah. And so you see all these, so many of these kids that leave, they move back to this state. I mean, Utah's a great state. I mean, look at it. We're in a drought. We need rain. All these crazy Mormons pray for rain, and we get rain. Like, it's awesome. <laughs> but Utah is a great state, and these kids need to start staying home, whether it's at BYU, Utah. And it, to me, it's going to come down to these BYU businesses, Utah businesses, their, um, all the different boosters. Like, let's do a good job of keeping our kids home. Why did you stay home? Because you probably could have gone many different places. Uh, my first go around was my mom. She she made me go to BYU. I didn't really care for BYU, and so. But I'm talking. If my mom tells me to do something, you're gonna do it. Like, <laughs> and then, um, and that's the hard part I have with some of these parents. So many parents, I'm like, dude, tell your kid to stay here. Oh, it's up to my kids. Like, it's up to your kid. Like your kid probably you you probably still have to tell your kid to take a shower after practice, and you're you're making him do these kind of life decisions. Like some of these parents just need to make their kids stay in the state. Um, as far as the second go around, Norm was trying to get me to go to USC. It that was my wife's fault. Um, <laughs> I I wanted to marry Sunny, so I had to stay at BYU and stay here with her. <laughs> You're going to get any blowback from this, Reno, or are you going to be able to weather this storm you're creating? <laughs> what storm is that? Oh, <laughs> uh, never mind. <laughs> so how dialed in are you to the team right now, or are you kind of keeping it at arm's length this time of year? No, it's COVID. i got to stay as far as away. I don't want to get nobody sick. I don't want them blaming me for anything. So I keep my distance and just enjoy it from afar as a fan and, Every now and then, check in on the coaches, and but I'm excited for this year. Yeah, you look at Kalani, and you know, at BYU, we know because of missions and whatnot that it takes a while, and so he's going into his sixth season, and he's coming off a fantastic season, one of the better ones in program history, where a number of guys, for the first time and who knows how long, got to the NFL and are going to be on NFL rosters. How about just the state of the program in terms of what he's building? What's your assessment? They, the, the players have all bought in. They know Kalani loves them. And I, I love the saying that these, these players, they don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. And so they know Kalani cares. They know his staff cares. And so these boys will, they'll, you know, they'll run through walls for him. And so that's, that's what your program wants. And so I, I think, you know, Kalani's building a great deal over there. And um, everyone's excited for this year. And, amazing schedule Tom has put together for them and so it'll be great to see what happens 
Give me that saying one more time. I don't think I've heard that before. That was pretty smooth. You just rattled that right off. Players don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. And so, they, these again, you can tell these coaches, they love their players. Um, same goes with the staff at the U. You know, they, they have coaches there that love their players. I know a lot of those guys personally, and, and they do. And these players feel it, and they know it. And so, these players are willing to do, you know, football is not easy. But they're willing to do it because they know how much these coaches care about them. Yeah, when you look at Kalani, do you think that uh, that's, if you were to list his strong points, would you put that right at the top? Because you spend any time with the guy, and you feel like coming away with, man, he's really a great person. He's my, I'm his best friend. I mean, I don't know how many people are able to do that, but however he does it, he manages to make you feel like that. No, he's, Kalani's all love, but Kalani's also one of those Tongan nerds He's like, he's so smart. And so as much as he comes across as, you know, he's loving, he's a fun guy, he is super smart. And so he can dissect a game, dissect a team, a player. I mean, just, it's, it was one of the coolest things sitting with him, watching film and how he breaks down someone's hip and the way that, you know, they're burst. And, but I mean, he knows the game. He knows the X's and O's and, and, BYU is very lucky to have him. So you expect him to back up that 11-1 season with another big year? I'm hoping so. But, I mean, again, the weird shape ball. So you never know which way the ball bounces. But he's got the players to do it. He's got the staff to do it. So um, I think they, they should have a special year. Everybody knows, Reno, that BYU doesn't pay what the going rate is as far as if you're successful as a head coach. So he put together the 11 and No, they don't. That's why I'm not there no more. (laughs) (laughs) True. (laughs) It's terrible, but they do it for the love of the school, the love of the kids, and so they, they don't. They absolutely don't. Right, <laughs> they right. need to do a better job of that. Well, okay, that's where I'm going with this because the fact is if he goes out and has a big-time season this year, I mean, he's such a charismatic, likable guy, and then he'll have a, a resume that can back it up. And we saw Mendenhall took off, and you know, for whatever reason, he can say what he wants, but he also received a massive amount of uh, money to go, you know, well over $3 million. He wasn't making anything close to that. You know Kalani, and you've known him very well for many, many years, better than us. And so if he puts together a good season – I think that some people are going to come calling. Uh, what do you think about his desire to, you know, he's a Utah County BYU guy, but at the same time, money talks. What do you think about that? He, you, you, I mean, you said it as if people aren't calling. Kalani loves BYU, but the, the reality is there comes a time of point where BYU just needs to do what they can to keep him. I mean, they, they have the resources, like, they just need to pay the guy to keep him here. But you're right. I mean, here, here's the funny thing. If BYU has so many of, what is it, the Pac-12 South, yeah. BYU could run the table on the Pac-12 South. I was just looking at the schedule the other day. They could essentially have more wins than any Pac-12 South team. <laughs> <laughs> if BYU runs the table on the Pac-12 South, 
and the Pac-12 South eat each other up, they could end the season with more Pac-12 South wins than any of the Pac-12 South teams. <laughs> so, uh, how ironic would that be? Right. Yeah. yeah but yeah. at the end of the day, BYU needs to they need to do what they can to keep Kalani and their staff. That's the problem. You're going to start losing more of their staff. Like these guys are going to get picked off left and right, and it's all financially. People love Provo. People love to stay in the – BYU is a great school. It's the hardest school to be a coach, but it's a great school. It's a great – you know, Utah's a great place. So when you talk to your buddies, the coaches, can you give us any insight, any nuggets, things that are true about the team that maybe the coaches don't mind being out there, but they don't – they just can't have their name associated with it? Players who are going to be good – Position groups that are going to be really good. Um, I and it's just kind of a rule I have when I'm with the guys. I was with some of them just um, what Sunday. I don't talk football, and I had a buddy that came with me. Uh, we were meeting up with them for this uh, Tree of Life tour in Highland, and I said, "You have one rule when we go here." I didn't tell him who we were meeting with, and I said, "You can't talk football." And he's like, oh, I won't. He's like, he's a big BYU, you know, been a booster forever. I was like, no talking football when we get to this place. And so I don't talk football when I'm around the coaches just because of this. You ask me something like this, then I have nothing to share because I don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well. And so I just have a rule with these guys. I don't talk football. You say BYU is the hardest place to coach. Why is that? You can't get you know, free range of players that would want to come. The two years I was there, we had players that wanted to come and the school wouldn't let them in. Players that could have helped the program. And so, you know, we have a player that's playing on Sunday right now in the NFL, what it came, but he didn't want to cut his hair. (laughs) I mean, can you imagine that any other of these big schools? Like we just, but it's all right. They know that, you know, these coaches know the challenges but it's the hardest place to coach football. We will leave it there, Reno. We appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on with us. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Always great talking to you. Reno Mai, former Brighton Bengal, BYU Cougar, and Philadelphia Eagle. Join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The best high school football player you ever saw. You've seen some pretty good high school football players. That's high praise. Yes. I was trying to think of other players that I saw, and obviously they're guys who've gone on to the pros, and not just here, but in California too. But he was he was in a class by himself. Oh, yeah. I've told the story many times. I've lived in the Brighton area, and word got around, you got to go see this kid. He, I saw him spin around a safety. He got through yeah. the, the line, the linebackers, and he had the safeties. He faked one way, faked the other, and he had the kid turning around. The kid tripped over his own feet and fell down, and Reno scored untouched. It was phenomenal. I haven't seen anybody else do that. And we've seen running backs run for 1,500 or more yards. See yeah. kids score 20, 30 touchdowns, whatever. And when you get in the newspaper business, usually in the sports department, you start out covering high schools. Mm-hmm. And I was no exception. I covered high schools in Arizona. I covered high schools in California. And I would need a list. I would forget all the guys that I covered who have gone on to and played. To the, yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't be able to I remember, remember them all. Haloti Maybe Nata. in Utah, but not <clears throat> yeah. in California. I remember seeing Haloti Nada the first time and thinking, well, he was easy to pick out. He was way bigger than everybody else. 
I know, but I'm not a lineman guy. I know. I know, right? <laughs> it's easier when somebody has the ball. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously he played in a number of many, many years. No, I like the, the guys who carry the ball, throw the ball, catch the ball. That's what I look at. I let the big dudes worry about I'm not a big dude, so I let them worry about that. So, sure, yeah, I like the excitement of it. Puka Nakua's got to be on that list. He was phenomenal. He was. He completely outclassed everyone in kind of in a way Reno did. Receiver's a little different depending on getting the ball to you, but sure. he made some unbelievable catches. But Reno's feet were just, just absolutely amazing, yeah. Interesting, he says it's the hardest place. I used to not agree with that, but I'm moving toward agreeing with that a lot more than I used to. And we can elaborate. All right, we'll do that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Win, win, win. It's a win ticket Wednesday on the Zone Sports Network. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Win. Listen all day for the win ticket Wednesday sounder for your chance to win tickets. What? Who authorized that? To all the biggest concerts, games, and other great events here in the state of Utah. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. Woo! On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Salt Lake Bees start a six-game homestand against the Reno Aces tomorrow. Come on out and support the Bees. It's better at the ballpark. Tickets on sale now at slbs.com. We've got a four-pack of tickets to the game tomorrow night for Caller 12 right now. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-9663. Caller 12. Tickets to see the Bees on a win tickets Wednesday. All right, PK, you had thoughts you wanted to share at the end of the last segment. We're out of time. I used to think that BYU coaching, in terms of recruiting, was one of the easier jobs. Because you're going to get who you're going to get. And because of the religious affiliation, and maybe their parents went there, or you grew up here, or whatever it might be, there's, there was a direct connection at BYU that was inherent, more so, more widespread than other places. And because of that inherent connection, you had a leg up on being able to get those kids to come to your school and play for your football program because they wanted to. But I think that's changed, not necessarily in the kid, but I think the degree of difficulty now in the opponent and the schedule is such that before, those kids were good enough. And if you got them and got them in the system and paid their dues, that by the time they were juniors and seniors, they were pretty good football players, and they were able to beat most of the programs on your schedule. We had Blaine Blaine Fowler, who's a BYU guy through and through. Mm -hmm. His kids are, he is, his parents are, all the way. And he said last week, you know, back when, you had maybe two or three games, and the rest of the teams, you're just good enough to beat. You're going to beat New Mexico. You're going to beat UNLV on down the line. Most often. Well, now that's not the case. You know, you've got, well, they got seven P5s this year. Yep. You know, not all of them are great. I understand that. Uh, but but they're better. Th- but Virginia, whatever Virginia's yeah. going to be, it's going to be better than New Mexico. Yeah, and you're playing Boise. And I, everybody knows Boise's a really good football program. So you're having six, seven, eight games that you're not really sure how it's going to be. 
And back when, when they were rolling out a Sony Line factory double-digit win seasons, there probably was six, seven, eight games. You knew you were going to win. You really had to suck to lose those games. So because of that, and combined with some of the stuff with the Cougar, just, just the BYU way, it has made the job difficult because expectations, I don't think that have dropped that much. They've dropped to a degree. I think the, the hardcore knowledgeable BYU fan, a BYU fan, you can respond if I'm off base on this, but I think like a guy like Papa P, you know, we've known him for years, hardcore BYU fan, talk to him. I've seen him out in the public and he, you can have rational discussions with him about BYU football, right? He's a hardcore fan. But he understands the way of the world there with BYU. So what I mean by that is, and Reno just said it, you know, eight and four, or maybe it was Riley. Riley Jensen said eight and four is pretty good. Well, back when eight and four wouldn't have been pretty good in the whack, right? But it is now, and I think that most BYU fans who are passionate but also are rational and have common sense and can look at things somewhat objectively with a fan based. Influence know that with this schedule eight and three nine and four uh, or eight and four nine and three, that's decent. You know everybody wants ten eleven twelve. I get it, but if you roll out that many victories, especially if you're nine and three, that's a really good season. And and to me nine and three equates to that eleven and one back in those days. So because of the increase and also too not just that. Everything has changed. So many of these kids, like Reno's mother said, you got to go to BYU. Okay. Well, now parents aren't saying that as much. You got to investigate everything. So you got to go to Stanford. You got, you, and I was talking to somebody just last night from BYU about this and how these guys are coming into school or coming into the state and getting these kids and how much more difficult it is to recruit. And this, and it's funny because this group of coaches is actually pushing the LDS experience, maybe not to the public degree that Bronco did, but they're doing it a lot more now than they did when they first took over. That's a fact. That's an absolute fact. Is that because they've seen it pay off? Because it's a, yes, and it's a tool that they have. The, the, Bronco got, and, and Kyle used to hate this, that they... You want the LDS experience, nobody does the LDS experience better than BYU. And I used to think, uh, but it's good enough else place, other, other places. And that's, I still think it is good enough. that's two different things. It is two different things. And I used to think that it wasn't. But now, having a conversation as recently as last evening about this very thing, I think it's true. And you've got to get those kids. And person I was talking to involved in BYU, involved, just leave it at that, but uh, saying that they believe that they could put out a really good football team, almost not exclusively, but largely by just getting all the in-state talent. And it's not happening. Well, there's that's shifted a couple of ways. One, there's more in-state talent than there used to be. Exactly. No question. Way more. But Dozens also, more. a lot more than in-state talent is leaving the state. So what good does that do you if it's going to Oregon or USC or Stanford or wherever else? Not much. <laughs> 
But there are there. The, I, I think that's the toughest job. I think we shouldn't underestimate how hard the military academies are. There have been limits on yeah, going to the NFL. Nobody has expe- expectations on that. Fisher DeBerry said for years that the commander's chief trophy. So two games. When's the last Army, Air Force Army, coach who got fired? No, but Air Force largely wins. Now, they don't win every year, and they don't win like they did under Fisher DeBerry. You know, they, they, they have their peak year. It's eight wins, and I think Fisher had more nine and ten, and they're playing more games now, so there's more four and five lost seasons for sure. People understand at those institutions that it really isn't about football. I think they get the Air Force and Navy win enough. Army doesn't, and people get fired oh, there. Army's better now. They're better now. They are. Probably learned some lessons by looking but at how Air Force and Navy do But they're not playing seven, eight, P5 schools. And that part's true. They're not. And then BYU won't every year. I think this is one of their schedules. has got more Power 5 teams. There's, there's a year out there. I think it's 2024 when BYU, and they've still got two open games so they can change, but they've only got two Power Fives on oh, the schedule. Oh, yeah, but actually they'll have eight because they'll be in a conference. Thing. Yeah! Mark my words. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, go, you always go to the classics. Uh, 2024, they've got NC State, a trip back there, and they got the Utes and two open games. And other than that, they got a lot of G5 schools. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.